Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 40th episode of the History of Religion podcast. I am J.A. Graham, and this is today the halfway point through the History of Christianity series. Last time, we covered the eastern half of Christianity, bringing it up to date with the western half. We are now at 1000 AD. Today, I want to review the major trends of the first 1000 years, set the scene for the next 1000 years, and a little housekeeping at the end. So without further ado, let's begin. The first important period is the time of Christ from around 6 BC to 30 AD. That includes the setting for the religion. It is hard to overstate the importance of location for the start of Christianity. The Jewish context allowed for the religion to grow in theology, while the Roman state allowed it to grow in popularity, and the Hellenistic culture fostered the philosophical growth of the religion. Without those three, Christianity would have lacked for theological formation, structured growth, and or philosophical rigor. All three of these are maintained in the church and transported to medieval Europe in order to keep Western civilization alive during the Islamic invasions and the fall of Rome. Hellenism fades with the new Islamic cultural tide. The societal structures of Rome fall after the empire, even though some survive in Byzantium but those will be eliminated by invasions later, and the rigorous theology of the Jews will become a small religion that manages to survive, but never becomes dominant in the world. Jesus brought the Jewish religion to a new level. Paul brought the Hellenistic culture of philosophy, and the church itself used the highways, cities, trade routes, and stability of the Roman Empire to spread. Again, those three aspects of Christianity are essential to the growth of the religion and arguably to Western civilization. Furthermore, the timing of Christ is essential. The fall of the temple in 70 AD meant that any messianic message from Jerusalem became untenable. If Christ had just been 50 years later, then Christianity would not have taken off. Also, if he had come too soon, the age of messiahs running around in the desert undisturbed would have not existed either. The timing and location of Christ are necessary to the success of Christianity. The church develops along these lines further after the time of Christ. The theology of the church is put into a competitive market where trends like Gnosticism compete for dominance. The trends that are rejected tend to be those that are more philosophically Hellenistic rather than theologically Jewish. The fall of the temple in 70 AD allows Christianity to separate itself from Judaism to become its own sect while subsuming Hellenistic philosophy to use it as a defense against critics in the broader culture. The fall of the temple also meant that the religion had to carve its own way in the Roman Empire, which immediately became hostile towards Christianity. The Roman culture went after the religion through state persecution, and the Christian response was to embrace the suffering and use it as a public relations model and method to spread its message, which it did immensely. The Hellenistic culture attacked the new religion on philosophical ground, forcing many of the early church to create long treatises and develop the philosophy and theology of the religion rigorously. The theological independence brought by the destruction of the temple, the philosophical defense in response to the cultural attacks, and the spread of the religion through state persecution culminated in Constantine in the 300s, adopting the religion and making it a part of the Roman Empire. The church then became distinctly Roman. Those Christian groups outside of the empire became suspect of being Roman. The language of the church began to shift from Greek to Latin. The culture went from the oppressed to the oppressor. The religion spread like wildfire throughout the empire, and the theology became solidified as the canon of the Bible was debated. 
the theological trajectory of the church became decided through church councils, which were primarily political battles to ensure the empire's ability to maintain a coherent hold on the population. The philosophical terrain of the religion was settled through treatises from major church fathers against alternative trends considered unorthodox. The church structure itself became completely Roman. The organic church from Christ to Constantine was replaced with a mechanistic hierarchy that allowed control from the top down. This control took time to implement, but had an inverse relation to non-conforming or unorthodox movements in the church. The First Council of Nicaea in 325 established a trend of the political leaders to decide theology and to enforce the new structure created to weed out Christian movements that were not considered orthodox. The rise of thinkers like Augustine were evidence of the increased combination of church theology with philosophical debate. The fall of Rome in the 400s left the church without a father. The church by that time had developed a strong internal system that survived the fall of Rome and was used by the barbarians to create smaller empires around the Mediterranean. The theology of the church continued to be developed through councils where political leaders gathered. The philosophical and cultural trends of the church were dictated by the pagans who slowly converted to Christianity. Christian groups in places like Armenia and the Coptic Church in Egypt survived independently of the main church systems in Rome and now Constantinople. So the pagans converting were majority European, and they brought their own culture to bear upon the church wherever they were. The result was that two major cultures of the church began to arise, one Latin in the West and one Greek in the East, without the unifying power of the Roman Empire to keep them together. The structure of the church in the West survived the fall and was mainly revived in the Papal States, modern-day France, and Germany. The result was the rise of feudalism. Monasticism became a popular way to maintain power for the elites and it allowed the culture of Rome to survive along with the theology of Christianity. The East maintained the Roman life much better than the West. The emperor survived and was the head of the church. Patriarchs kept their influence until the coming of Islam. Islam forced Christianity to rise to the challenge or to be destroyed. The Christian groups that were in most of the Near East were erased after a few centuries of Islam. Only a few survived, such as the Coptics, Armenians, and a few monastic movements. The Byzantine Empire fought to survive and was influenced by the new culture that it came into contact with. Islam did not pose a philosophical or theological problem for Christianity, though. Rather, an institutional problem, as Islam sought to dominate. The only theological problem brought about by Islam in the, was in the East, and it was the icon issue, and scholars are still split as to whether or not Islam introduced that notion to the East or not. In the West, Islam made it to the north of Spain, where feudal kingdoms struggled to come together to halt the spread. The most important impact Islam had in the West is that it cut off uh, the West from the Greek writers, which the slow turn to Latin was already doing. Islam simply sped up a trend that was already underway. The West would be without the Greek writers of Aristotle and Plato until after the Crusades. The patriarch in Rome rose in power once the other patriarchs lost theirs. Most of the patriarchs resided in the lands that Islam had taken over. The only two patriarchs to survive Islam with any influence were the ones in Rome and Constantinople. As Constantinople became more focused on the east and defending against the rising tide of Islam, the patriarch in Rome gained a monopoly on all of Christendom to the west. By the 900s, the pope had firmly established as a power center in the west. The only thing that kept the pope from having full authority was the emperor in the east who kept the patriarch in Constantinople viable. 
The power struggle involved the Pope using kings in the West and making deals with the Muslims to undercut the Byzantine Empire, while the Emperor in the East did the exact same against the Pope. The two sides of Christendom continued to diverge as the East dealt with the iconoclast issue and the West was set on a new path by Charlemagne and the Filioque. The last of the seven ecumenical councils was the Second Council of Nicaea in 787. The entirety of Christendom will not agree to another council even though the West in the Catholic tradition will hold another 15 councils after that. The theology of Christianity had a set foundation that does not really move much, if at all, for the next thousand years. The culture and philosophy of Christianity diverges immensely between the East and the West. The West is considered to be in the Dark Ages, while the East focuses more on experiential mysticism than logical debates. Of course, this is a generalization, but for our purposes does hold merit. So at 1000 AD, Christendom is split into two, one feudal and one the remnant of the Roman Empire, two wildly different cultures and philosophies speaking two different languages, Latin and Greek, and theologically split over two main issues, the primacy of the patriarch in Rome and the filioque. By 1000 AD, Christianity had a firm hold on modern-day Western Europe up until Sweden. The Vikings had been slowly and successfully converting to the new faith, all of the northern Iberian Peninsula was Christian, but a thriving Islamic emirate existed that was culturally superior to Western Europe at the time. The transition from Western Christianity to Eastern Christianity occurred in modern-day Hungary and Poland. Russia was Christianizing, and Eastern Christianity held the Greek island still. Cyprus was even Christian. Anatolia, modern-day Turkey, was increasingly a mixed bag of Islam and Christianity, along with many fringe groups from both the religions. In the Near East, Christianity still held on in port cities and along the coast, where trade routes allowed Christians to communicate with the outside world and survive. This is important because all of this sets us up for the next 1,000 years. The East was the gateway to the Holy Lands, and the trade routes made it possible for the West to know about it and to travel to it. Pilgrimages will become important because of these travel routes. The West will have to deal with the East, and the East will have to deal with the West. Islam will become a focal point of cooperation between the East and the West. The spread of Christianity will be buffered by the Islamic world, still forcing Christianity to spread around it rather than through it. Basically, the next 1,000 years will follow the same three patterns laid out in the first. The state structure will allow the church to ingrain itself into the newly formed kingdoms and become a kingdom in and of itself as the Pope gains power. The theology of the church will again be subject to politics, but the Pope will become political, and the theology in the West will differ from the East. Finally, the rediscovery of the Greek literature by the West will spark cultural change that begins a long, steady climb of the West to become Western civilization as it is known today. Now that the brief overview is finished, there is some housekeeping that I would like to address. I am thrilled about how the podcast has grown since it first started a little over a year ago. I appreciate the support that I have received. I plan on doing this podcast for years to come, and I hope that I have improved somewhat since first starting it. I hope to improve even more, and I want to increase the outreach of the podcast by adding social media and a blog, which will take time to do. I hope to be able to continue to make the podcast available for free. The trade-off, though, is that this is my hobby, and sometimes it has to take a backseat to my normal day job. Perhaps in the distant future, I will put in a short advertisement before episodes, but for now, I like them without it. Also, the length of the episodes will probably remain the same, 
since it would take me too long to create longer episodes, and I want to get them out in a timely manner. I really enjoy the podcast and hope that all of you will stick with me as we continue into the second thousand years of Christianity, which should be even more interesting than the first. So take care, everyone.